0: everyone agrees bacon makes everything better even marketing this is the bacon
1: podcast where you'll learn to cure your marketing and make your business I can't believe i said that internet marketing online marketing social media tips and techniques now to help you bring more bacon home the master of marketing sizzle, sizzle. brian basilico this is the bacon podcast Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Brian Basilico, and this is the podcast where you learn to make your business sizzle online. So are you ready to fry up some new business? Hey, peeps, I want to welcome you to 2020. And this year, we're going to be talking about marketing challenges in businesses. And we're going to interview a whole bunch of different people, specifically people that run their own companies and some of the challenges in specific industries. My goal for you as the listener is to kind of sit in on these conversations and maybe there's a golden nugget in there that you can take and apply to your business even if the specific business you have doesn't run along the same path as these, I think there's a lot of great lessons to learn. So that's the way that we're going to start this year off. And today I've got a great guest. He's a bud. He's somebody that I've known for years and I know him as a data guy. His name is Bill Winsoninsky and he runs a company called Cofluence and it's a data company. So, but uh, let me start off by asking Bill, how the heck are you, dude? <laughs> Great. How you doing, Brian? I'm fantastic, man. Thanks. Other than uh, fighting a cold, but that's, you know, welcome to winter in Chicago. Yeah. But uh, more importantly, I want people to get to know you a little bit. I call you the data dude because every time we've networked, that's all you've ever talked about. But I also know you're a drummer and you're a musician. So, how, you know, how does drums and data centers kind of blend in? How did that happen?
0: Well, I, I think drums go hand in hand with pretty much anything or any line of profession. You know, yeah. if you have any any sort of frustration in your day to day, you know, hitting a drum, you know, for you know forty five minutes is a great uh, great release. <laughs> uh, but I started um, in college. When I was in college, I played in a band and we toured around and opened for some big bands and uh, had a lot of fun. Made absolutely no money. But uh, I, you know, graduated college and then uh, got into the workforce. I was the only guy in my band with a career, so we would play these shows, get home at three in the morning, and then I'd be up at eight. You know, in the grind of the you know work fo- work fo- you know the workforce, and uh, the rest of my bandmates would be sleeping, <laughs> or uh, you know, at least some of us were. But nice um, to be them. <laughs> yeah, right. And then, um, but I've always played. The band broke up. We went our separate ways. We're still really good friends. But um, I started uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area um, right as the dot-com bubble was uh, growing. And then uh, after it burst, I uh, left San Francisco and moved to Chicago and started in the data center world.
1: And so what got you into data center? I mean, was it just that you were into sales? Or was it that you had a background in computer science? or what led that?
0: No, it, it's it's wild. My um my goal. I went to the University of California, Berkeley, and after that, I studied to uh, English literature to become a teacher, and coach soccer, and play drums, and surf, and live the California lifestyle. <laughs> but then, um, out of college, I started working in advertising, and my accounts were all these dot coms that were sp- sp- sprouting up and i had magazines and media come to call on us because i was a media planner in advertising and uh, all these magazines were saying you need you should work on our side of the fence and you know work for the magazine selling ad space that's where the money is and it's exciting and fun and at that time you know internet marketing wasn't too uh wasn't very big and so our our magazines were gigantic you know, we, my my territory was Silicon Valley in 1995, 96, and 97. So you can imagine, you know, just all of the ads that we were placing in these magazines: um, Internet, Internet Week, Information Week magazine, Network Computing magazine. And through that, I started working with the publisher of these magazines, and they talked about data centers and distributed computing. And that's right when um, mainframe compute started to diversify into distributed computing and companies started to, you know, um, start crushing data, right? And so um, there's nothing new in business now that doesn't involve technology. And back then it was kind of like technology was a thing, but not everyone had a data center, you know? And so as compute started to become more pervasive in industry and, and business, then data centers started to grow. And that's when I started working in the data center business. I started um, selling all the products, and you know that go into a data center. You know the power units, the UPSs, the air units, the flooring, the cabling, the power strips, the servers, all that as a distributor here in Chicago.
1: Hmm. Now, see, I worked at AT and T, and I remember because I was in, in the video department, so kind of you know parallel in a sense that I was doing marketing and um, I remember in you know they had in the basement were just racks and racks and racks of these you know computers and these the hard drives back then we called them washing machines you know where you literally the the uh, the hard drive itself you'd lift it out probably weighed about you know 20 50 pounds and was the size of a tire <laughs> Right, You know, uh, 8-inch floppies and, uh, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. Punch cards
0: and all that stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that stuff was still there because, I mean, they were dealing with, um, at AT AT&T, it was before the bells got split up. And and you Mm -hmm. had, you know, some of these locations that they were dealing with were out in the middle of Utah or Montana where, you know, there was a, a data center where the computing was so old. That they had to make sure that they could still support all of these different things. Not everybody had the, the latest and greatest technology that say Chicago, New York, and LA had, you know. And so yeah. it was, they're constantly supporting all these things. Now, one of the things that's happened, obviously, is um, the cloud, as we call it, and. All of this internet power that goes on, I mean, there is not a thing that we touch that does not have something to do with the internet. Our cars are connected to the internet. You know, our phones are connected to the internet. Damn toasters are connected to the internet, right? Yeah, um, for sure. So I mean, data is um, it's not only so important and, and we don't see how it flows, but I mean, it basically is the the, the backbone of commerce now, right?
0: Uh, absolutely, and that evolution is kind of why I started this company. You know, um, uh, so mainframe computing matriculated in and evolved into distributed computing, and then companies started to build data centers on their prem. Right, so a large enterprise company would have a room at their facility that was a data center, and these data centers, you know, as they became more and more important. To the enterprise they became uptime and availability and compute was so pervasive and and so important that they they needed to safeguard these 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 rooms so they would have you know multiple power paths multiple fiber optic paths coming in um they would have racks and racks of servers like you mentioned and the cooling and air units to remove the heat and add cooling to where it was needed and so if you think of like your laptop on your lap you know after a while it starts to get hot right so you imagine all of these one two one and a half inch two inch servers packed into a seven foot six foot high cabinet at full capacity or even half capacity that's going to generate a lot of heat so what happened in our industry is that as Compute started to become more pervasive, these rooms became more important and they became denser and denser and denser because of server sprawl, right? People said, well, it's just, you know, we're doing a new marketing initiative, a new campaign or new whatever, and they would add more servers. And before long, they realized that they're use- using a ton of power and managing that and maintaining the uptime. Um, has gotten to be um, you know cost prohibitive for a lot of companies because this the infrastructure to support these data centers now is very expensive. You know the UPSs, the air units, the backup generators, the multiple power paths, the fiber optics, the structured cabling, all that. And so, what what has happened, or what happened, was is that enterprise folks that went to school for you know applications and networks and Um, built you know writing code and 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 in the it space we're now having to deal with physical infrastructure of these rooms and so companies are starting now with the cloud and with the pervasiveness of the internet and the ability and the speeds that we see with the pipes that they started to matriculate out of their on-prem facilities to a co-location type facility a third party. Uh, a building a data center specific for compute right so they have they, they they create these they created these multi-tenant data centers around the world where companies can simply lift and shift their physical infrastructure to these facilities and connect via high speed internet or fiber optics back to their prem now, they, instead of them managing their data center, they have someone else manage the data center and they get back to the business of doing what their core business is.
1: Gotcha. And it's it's kind of a, you know, it's a really mind-blowing big picture when you think about it. Because, you know, in one building, you could have, you know, I don't know, somewhere between five to 5,000 companies worth of data in there. And there's all... You know, different kinds of things. I've heard you talk about the fact that, um, you know, if you ever seen the uh, intro to Get Smart back in the 60s, where he's constantly (laughs) walking through door after door after door after door after door, door, you know. Yeah. Right. Uh, (laughs) That's what it's like in those data centers. Because, I mean, we're talking about everything from government secrets to corporate secrets to you know, this stuff has to be protected like nobody's business. I mean, it, it truly is like a bomb shelter sometimes, right?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, physical security is key. Network security is, you, you hear it in the news every day, you know, you hear Target, and Best Buy, or all these companies that are having breaches and hospitals and VA, government, you know, you get these notifications all the time. And the biggest concern of a CIO of a large enterprise company is to stay out of the wall street journal, you know? <laughs> and so, um, a lot of these data centers, that's their, they're mitigating risk. They're helping these companies mitigate risk. So if, if you're a financial institution that has all these compliance or medical that has, you know, HIPAA uh, compliance issues, you know, and you're managing these data centers on your own and you don't have the expertise to do it, then, you know, um, if something happens, then that's a bad day. So what they do is they put their data in places that have these certifications that are HIPAA certified, that are and Ocli certified, PCI compliant, all these compliance plus the uptime. And so that satisfies their, you know, that mitigates the risk as it relates to their data. So they use, you know, they have all of these standard procedures um, in the data centers. So the data centers that I used to work with in um, have, you know, retina scans, um, facial recognition, biometric scans. They have uh, man traps, or now we call them person traps, where, you know, you, one door opens and it, you can't get into the next one until the other one closes. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're pretty robust places for sure. And so they're super expensive to build. And you can imagine building them on your own one time is hugely expensive, right? Very capital intensive. So these data center companies that build them all the time take, you know, um, have the advantages of of you know driving down that cost through uh, a lot of volume, right? And so companies like Digital Reality Trust, QTS Data Centers, Cyrus One Data Centers, Equ- Equinix Data Centers. I mean, the list goes on and on and they've got it down to a science where they can build these places um, a lot less than the average enterprise company mm-hmm. could.
1: All right. So now I'm going to go off on a tangent. Now now we've kind of understand the marketplace mm-hmm. and I want to talk about, you know, marketing your services to the people that need it. Now, yeah. here's my analogy. Bear with me on this one. The name of your company is Cofluence, right? Yeah. So it's part cold, it's part flu. And it's part influence. <laughs> so when somebody gets a cold, they have a little issue. When they get the flu, it's pretty bad. And influence is where they need to get, you know, so go see the doctor get to the emergency room, that kind of stuff. So yeah, the bottom line is people call you. When poo poo happens, because <laughs> they're right, they yeah. they need you because there's been some kind of big breach. They've grown beyond the scope of what they can do. There's uh, there's a problem, and they need to solve a problem. And one of the things that we know about B two B business is number one. Um, Businesses do not do business with other businesses. People do business with people. So somewhere along the lines, you have to build a relationship with somebody who would be influenced by the fact that they need a data center and they know you. The second piece of that is that you have to build trust and thirdly, this is not like going on Amazon and saying I need rechargeable batteries. It's not like okay, I'm just going to go on Amazon and order these and they're just going to ship to me in 2 days and this is done. This is a long-term process, right? So what's what's the first thing that a a person who would be purchasing this data center, what what are the things that are in the back of their mind when they're starting to evaluate what you have to offer?
0: Sure. Um so yeah, at CoFluence, we um CoFluence is the merging of uh, you know co-location and influence. So co-location is the term used for these multi-tenant data center buildings, right? And so um what I do is I help organizations, enterprise companies identify the best fit for them as it relates to their physical infrastructure. Right, so I'll look at their applications. I'll look at their environment. I'll look at their culture. I'll look at what they're looking to move, and I will make suggestions of the best possible provider in any geography in the United States, in Europe, um, in Asia, or in South America. And so, um, what generally needs to happen is a lot of these companies they they are they know they need to be migrating and moving to a, a third party colocation or moving some of their applications to the cloud. And so uh, what needs to happen is it, it's not really not a deal or really not, I don't take it too seriously if I can't identify a compelling event that this company is having. So what that means is um but we mentioned it earlier, if you're an enterprise company and you're a financial company and you have a data center and your power is you're experiencing brownouts in your city where your data center is. Um, then you can't have that. That that's unacceptable, right? And so you're losing market share. You're losing credibility. You're getting dinged from a compliance standpoint. And so that's a compelling event, right? You need to be up, and you're constantly being down um, from a from power perspective, and you can't do business. So. Moving to a co-location will mitigate that risk and mitigate that downtime and it will have service level agreements associated with it and you're safeguarding and you're safeguarding your, your enterprise. And also there's also you know a production data center, and then we can also put the same and, and fail over to a disaster recovery type data center or move disaster recovery into a cloud product or move their production data center into a cloud product and their backup data center in uh, physical uh, data center.
1: So what I'm envisioning right now is I think of you as a data real estate agent. Yeah. In other words, somebody wants to move and, but they can't decide whether they want an apartment in the city or they want a townhouse or they want you know this. And basically you're the real estate agent that goes between the need person and the data center and says, you know, you could move into that fine apartment in downtown, but really what I think that you need at this point in order to get you to that place is maybe this small one-bedroom studio over here and then maybe buy a little bit of storage space at this facility over here so you could put your extra, you know, furniture in there while you're kind of getting yourself settled in the city and then we'll move you into a bigger apartment. Is that kind of what you do? Totally.
0: I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I use that analogy all the time. So I used to work for these data centers as the director and VP of sales. So I always tell my team, you know, my salespeople that, you know, it's not a deal unless there's a compelling event. And I use the analogy, my wife and I would go look at houses all the time. You know, we would look around and like, oh my God, this house is great. It's in a great neighborhood. It's got a pool. It's got a, you know, walkout basement. It's got a a recording studio, all these things. And we're like, you know, we are so here, we are going to move. And then you get back home and you realize, hey, this house ain't so bad. And I don't want to move all that crap in my basement and moving's a hassle. So unless there's a real compelling event, people aren't going to move, you know. So the same thing with data centers, you know, and, and a lot of these transactions are driven by the compelling event and also the desire to move into an uh, uh from a capex model to an operating an opex model right so they want to pay a monthly fee a monthly rent instead of paying huge amounts of capital to build out these places to maintain these places and to have full-time employees managing and operating these
1: places so what's the biggest challenge that you have um, number one, because you, you obviously have data centers that, you know, have trusted you to say you can sell our stuff. So I, I, it's more about finding the people who need their data moved from one place to another, whether it's, you know, from their physical location to a co-location or in the cloud or something like that. How do you as a business communicate with those people, find those people? How do they find you? What are the challenges in marketing this kind of service?
0: Yeah, so the challenges and the benefits of the data center world is that we appeal to every size company, every company, every vertical market. So uh, figuring out a template to wash, rinse, and repeat from a marketing standpoint is very challenging. But it's also a benefit too because you know there's – no two deals are the same. And so it, 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 it's, um, it's exciting on that standpoint, um, from a, from a challenge point from to get my business, I, I, use a number of different things. I think, uh, networking is, is massively important. I'm not going to be able to cold call effectively, um, per se. I'd still do it as part of, you know, my, my basic routine, but Um, Cold calls, you don't just call someone up and say, hey, do you need to move your data center to a new place? (laughs) Um, I generally try to engage with people in different markets around data centers that I work with and um, introduce myself and try to understand what they do as a business and understand their, their pains and goals and objectives as a company as it relates to their data like what they're doing and what their physical infrastructure looks like if they have a data center then we can have a conversation and then i try to just understand their their goals and objectives and then also how i can help them in different ways whether it's through bandwidth through products through you know understanding what the latest and greatest is and i i ask them if i can assess their physical infrastructure and so if i get a chance to walk through their data center, I can quickly identify if it's aged, if they're, you know, if they're in need of, of certain things and that, you know, we start to have that conversation and I leverage my relationships with these third party co-location and, and set up tours and, and just kind of get them interested, get the ball rolling and get them thinking about, Hey, I don't, I don't need to. I, you know, I don't want to manage this this building any longer. I can have someone else manage that, and I could get back to doing applications and doing the business that I uh, went to school for instead of managing a facility.
1: So, is one of the things that you need to do as a business is, um, kind of, be a broad brush educator of what's new, what's exciting, what are the options. Have you thought about this? I mean. How do you take that USB cord in the back of your head and get it out so that you can get it in front of people that maybe you haven't had a chance to network or um, get in front of physically? What kind of things are you doing or could you be doing that would help you get the word out? Oh, man,
0: that's that's a great question. Um, so, uh, I'll so data centers have it, products in them, right? So server products power products, software products, infrastructure products, and all of those people have sales organizations. And so I leverage a lot of those sales companies, a lot of those manufacturing companies that provide products to data centers. And so they, I leverage those relationships and I've known them for a long time. And so I ask them who they are working with and, you know, try to understand what that company is up to and then ask for the, ask for a, an introduction. So I'm a firm believer of reciprocity. And so I I really nurture my network and my network is all aspects of the data center. And so um, when I have an opportunity for someone, I make sure that I give them that opportunity. And, and it if you keep the person on your cup, you know, the person on your left cup full, yours will always be full in return. And we've talked about this at breakfast numerous times, but, this it's a pretty close knit community of manufacturers reps distributors channel partners and so i spend a large portion of my day networking with my colleagues and understanding the landscape out there and if there's any introductions they can make to me and then you know people start to understand what i do and then um, they're making introductions to me and my team to go out and, and uh, tour data centers and, and start that process. We also do a lot of education. I do data center 101 classes around the country, um, certified data center professional classes. We do data center audits for companies. Um, so we're always looking at ways to engage with these people that are managing and operating these data centers. And then, um, you know, hopefully through multiple engagements and through building a relationship with them and, and adding value to them every step of the way, when the time comes for that compelling, that compelling event comes along, then they'll think of Cofluence and call Bill. All
1: right. Last question for you. In 2020, if, say you were sitting in front of a bunch of CEOs of companies, all different kinds of companies, and you were going to offer them a piece of advice that would help them propel their business forward this year. What would be the one thing that you would say to them?
0: I would say that there are a ton of options available to CEOs these days um, to safeguard themselves, to mitigate risk, both network intrusions, physical security um, threats, um, and to mitigate that risk for the enterprise and be able to scale is to look at multi-tenant co-locations or a combination of co-location and cloud products in a hybrid solution and to align themselves with technology partners that understand the need for scalability and flexibility as it relates to the amount of power the amount of compute the amount of storage um and i think yeah to pick your partners wisely and to uh, uh understand that there's options
1: yep totally makes sense. so Bill, this has been great, man. It's you know, again, it's a kind of a a big picture thing, but I think there's a lot of golden nuggets sitting in here that people could grab, especially just little bits and pieces that they could throw just about any business. If people wanted to follow or get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to do that?
0: I think the best way is uh, with LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn at at Bill Winsoninsky. It's W-I-N-S-I-N-I-N-S-K-I. I -I -I -I. I know that's a lot, but um, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. And um, you could uh, check out our website at www.cofluencellc.com.
1: Well, Bill, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for dropping some sizzling hot bacon knowledge bombs on my peeps. And I encourage you guys to connect up with Bill if you have any questions. And uh, again, I appreciate you, Bill, and your time, And Thanks for coming on.
0: Anytime, Ryan. Thank you.
1: Well, that's
0: it for today's Bacon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and learned something today. If you did, please go to iTunes and give us a review. We appreciate all your feedback and comments. If you have any questions, go to www.baconpodcast.com forward slash questions, and we'll make sure we get those answered for you. Till next time, keep sizzling.